Hey folks, Sir Richard Wentworth. When you're ready to buy a car, True Car is changing car buying forever. Yes, True Car helps buyers get rid of the fear that they might overpay. Every day, True Car users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings, and True Car users save an average of three thousand two hundred twenty-one dollars off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three easy steps. First, download the True Car mobile app or go to TrueCar.com to find out what others paid for the car you want. Then register to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. Third step is simple: take your guaranteed savings certificate to the True Car certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. With True Car, you can save time, save money, and never overpay. To see how much you can save on the car you want, simply download the True Car mobile app or visit TrueCar.com today. AfterBuzz TV, over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hello, and welcome to an all-new UFC on AfterBuzz TV. My name is Daria Baranato. You can find me on Twitter at DariaB28. You can follow along with our show on SoundCloud, iTunes. Leave us comments. Tweet us at ABTVUFC. We love to hear your guys' input, so let us know. I'm here with Mr. J Tan, as always. We can find hey, him guys. at J Tan seven one six on Twitter, mm-hmm. and we're here with a special guest, but not a new guest, Mr. Alan Jovan, our first you. returning champion, as it were. Yes, good to be back. Good to be back. <laughs> What happened was we had him on our show, and then he won, just like everybody else we have on our show. Immediately after, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so with you having a uh, with Alan having a car a uh, match coming up in uh, what just about a month, I think, right? Just about a month out, Los Angeles. Uh, The prelims of UFC 183, It's eighty three, correct? Four. I think eighty three is and um. Silver Diaz. Oh yeah, yeah. Silver Diaz. Yeah. So one eighty four. Weidman Belfort. Mm-hmm. And Ronda Rousey also defending against Kenton Zingano. Mm-hmm. And you were fighting Filthy Rich Walsh. Richard Walsh, correct? Yeah. So. We're hoping the rub happens once again here. Oh. Knock on wood. Oh, we know the rub will happen. <laughs> we'll get to yeah. that later, though. But tonight we're going to be talking about UFC Fight Night 60, Gustafsson versus Anthony Rumble Johnson in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, it was at a new stadium in Stockholm, Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tele Arena. The Tele 2 Arena, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was 30,000. Uh, it seated 30,000. That's one of the biggest arenas they've ever held huge. the UFC in. Yeah. 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 Wow. And, and I believe, um, I think in one of the post-fight interviews... With uh, the European um, head of the European, you know, area for the UFC, mm-hmm. David uh, David Allen, David Green. I'm, I'm blanking on his last name. I apologize, but uh, he had said, of course. So this this show, because of the time difference, was quite late. In, two a.m. Uh, yeah, I think right. it started. Did it start at two a.m.? The main so? card, I think, started I think at the main two a.m. Okay. And tickets were still being sold throughout that time. 
um, because guys they wanted to broadcast it live here in the U.S. and because of the time difference, henceforth, unfortunately, the locals get the uh, the short end of the stick, and you got to show up whenever the show starts. But tickets had, uh, I mean, I don't know that they necessarily sold out, but you're talking about selling tickets throughout the show. I don't think that happens anywhere in in North America on a, on a standard UFC show. So something to be said for that. Absolutely. I mean, I think the fact, like you said earlier. We don't have a, a UFC in Stockholm, Sweden once a week. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when we do go there, we draw that fan base, and it's amazing fan base. Over the past couple of years, Sweden, Ireland, uh, a lot of European countries have really been mm-hmm. a strong fan base for the UFC. Yeah, it was like you said, it was a huge arena, and it was it was uh, after hours. It was a, a late show, and mm-hmm. my last fight in Brazil was another one like that, where I mm. didn't fight until I think it was like three a.m. Ouch! And, and, and it was wow. only about a I don't know five to eight thousand person arena, and it was still packed solid. So yeah. I was really surprised how many Brazilian fans came out. Same with this one though, to to pack a thirty thousand person arena at 3 a.m. in the morning is just insane but i mean you saw it on tv you could see the grand scale of things i mean yeah. the, the, the octagon looks so tiny and yeah. it, it, it really was unbelievable did. seeing it in a bigger arena like that really gives the ufc such an amazing feel it's it really brings it to the next level you yeah, look down at that octagon and you're like wow this it, is this is big it reminds me of it being in uh saitama arena in uh in yeah. japan that's mm-hmm. always the cool. octagon or when dream or pride would do those, those shows mm-hmm. it's interesting because it's such great looking modern venue inside you know it's mm-hmm. clean state-of-the-art looking stuff right um but then you can you feel like you can also see it's lit in a way that you can see the top you know it's huge but you can mm-hmm. see the guys in the nosebleeds you know watching this whole thing and, definitely well designed yeah. yeah uh alan so when you fought and it was at 3 a.m brazil you said correct yeah when you I'm got to brazil a, a week prior to, to your fight did you try to adjust to brazilian time but then that would just mess you up right because then you'd be fighting at 3 a.m brazilian time right so I, I can't quite remember how we did it but it was it was something tricky and, and we thought about maybe trying to acclimate to staying up later and but with the time change it actually worked out into our favor so I was fighting at 3 a.m. Brazilian time, but it was actually around 7 p.m. in California Pacific time. Right. So being on the West Coast, it worked out perfectly. I was used to fighting at that time. But it was just the week that we were there for fight week in Brazil, fighting at 3 a.m. Obviously, we didn't want to go to bed at 11 or 12 o'clock at night every night because we'd have to be ready to go at 3 a.m. later in the week. So we try to stay up as late as possible. And I'm assuming that's what a lot of the fighters did for this card as well, try to stay up late, sleep late, try to get acclimated to training late at night. When we did Mm -hmm. my weight cut, we did it around midnight, uh, the pre-weight cut the night before Mm -hmm. weigh-ins on Thursday night because we were just trying to get used to getting the body going late at night. You don't want to be coming down at midnight when you have to go on in a couple more hours. So Absolutely. It's, you know, it's an interesting little thing that, to mess with, but that's, you know, that's how it is when you're fighting internationally. That's got to be so bizarre because it's one thing, when you're a fighter, when you when you, you travel to these shows, guys, um, it, a lot of the time, regardless of where you're going, fight week, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but as my experience has been, um, it, you're, you're encompassed in... Uh, your own little universe for that week. You go to the ho- you stay at the hotel. You go to uh, you know open training or uh, press conferences or stuff like that. You don't really get to go out and see the city or the sites no. where you're visiting. You're there to do a job. You're there for a week, and you focus only on that. And especially being a fighter, you don't really want to think. You don't want to take a break. You don't, you want to focus on the job at hand, which is at the end of the week. And of course, right afterwards, they kick you out and you're you're back home. So that's a bubble unto itself. But then having to deal with a time difference and basically being like 
raver lifestyle or raver hours, you know, sleep in late and wake up late. That's even more so kind of not jarring, but awkward. Like it's, It's you're you're not in tune with anything. It's a weird way to travel, obviously. Um, I, like I said, my last fight was in Brazil. I fought at 3 a.m. It was a dream of mine to fight in Brazil, but I didn't really get to see Brazil. I didn't yeah. do a lot of tourist stuff. I'd go right. to the mall every day and, you know, we'd eat food, sit in a massage chair, kill time. And that was just, you know, the routine every day. I didn't get to go out and explore a lot of yeah. stuff. You're cutting weight. You're right. doing press, you know, press conferences and whatnot. And then you normally leave the next day after the fight. So, yeah, fighters don't really get to, to uh, explore that much. Um, the cornermen do a little bit. But the fighters themselves <laughs> don't get to do it that much. But Especially when it's these odd times that we're fighting at. It's kind of ironic when you, you're a fighter and they say, so you've been, I've been to Brazil. Oh, how is it? I have no idea. Did you see this? <laughs> Could, couldn't tell you. Oh, yeah, exactly. the beach is nice. Never been. <laughs> the mm. arena's great. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. As I'm sure the people in Stockholm said last night. <laughs> um, we're going to start from the bottom of the card and yeah. we're going to work our way up to the top. It was a very interesting main event. It was a very interesting card altogether. There was a couple really controversial calls. We're mm-hmm. going to get to those later. I know you have a lot to say about mm-hmm. those. Uh, let's start at the bottom. We have uh, Mirsad Bektik versus Paul Redzner Redman. Uh, Mirad won the unanimous decision, 30-27, 30-27, Yeah. Definitely a dominant performance by him. Uh, next on the card, we have Merbeck Bektik. Oh, sounds very similar. <laughs> Merbeck uh Tazimov? Tysimov. Mm-hmm, Tysimov. Mm-hmm. Versus Anthony Christodulo. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Tysimov won via KO in round two, 38 seconds in. Can uh, can I can I stop on this fight? I don't yeah. know if you guys watched this. Please did do. You see this fight? Mm-hmm. So it was just an interesting fight. I mean, I'm, I'm an active fighter, so I never talk negatively much about other fighters. Yeah. But this was just an interesting matchup because uh, Mercebek, the, uh, uh, the Tiger Muay Thai guy, He's he's a beast. He's an animal. Mm-hmm. I mean, but we're talking about Bektik and uh, Paul Redmond. Oh, I'm talking the about the uh, Chris Christodulu. Oh, okay, fight gotcha. the uh-huh. one that we were just speaking of. Yeah, and uh, the guy from Tiger Muay Thai who he fought. He's a, he's an animal. He's got yeah. you know he's an athlete. He's got good jujitsu, phenomenal. He's got good wrestling and phenomenal um, Muay Thai. And the guy that he fought, Christodulu. Uh, they were saying he was an undefeated fighter, I think out of Greece, might have been what they said. Mm-hmm. But they said he was the, the, uh, named the top fighter in Greece. So yeah. he was like 7-0, and named the top fighter in the country. And I don't know if you watched this fight, but this guy... This guy did not look in shape. This guy yeah. had a tire around his waist. I mean, he just looked very amateur. That. That? Very striking was very, very awkward. He looked yeah. very uncomfortable on the feet, and he didn't seem to much have, have much of a wrestling takedown. I mean, I was, I'm thinking he, his one chance might have been on the ground, which is where he got knocked out at the end of the fight. So yeah. it was a bit of a mismatch. I was I kind of bewildered by that fight. I think it's really hard. Uh, Obviously, in recent years, we've seen the UFC go to so many different countries and so many different nations around the world. Mm-hmm. And when we go there, we find out different things about each kind of country and what and the their fighters are like. Their fighters. And, and the standards. That's a great yeah. point. Um, yeah. For most... Most of the time, we have, you know, extremely high standards and we see competition equally all over the world. But sometimes we get these countries like, you know, if it is Greece, who have these top ranked fighters and then we see them enter the UFC and get their butts kicked. Yeah. You know what? That's, and it really goes to, you know. Yeah. MMA is, I think, for as much as MMA is a universal uh, sport or, or the appeal of it can be universal because it's such a raw and carnal thing that everybody can understand quite quickly, notwithstanding that there's certain rules. Um, 
not all countries are alike, and not all of them are even in terms of their standard of fighter. Obviously, mm-hmm. wrestling is a strong thing here with us because we have such a collegiate and high school and right. you know and, and wrestling uh, squad. Um, by the same token, Iran, for example, I'm pulling yeah. the country out of the blue, also really strong wrestling, but right. not necessarily known for their striking. Mm-hmm. Brazil, obviously, they've got great grappling and they've got a decent you know striking uh, pedigree as well. Their boxing team is pretty uh, pretty well known. Of course, you've got Malay right. Tudo there, but different countries are going to have their strengths and weaknesses, and I think we saw that with uh, with Greece. China is also another one that unfortunately kind of uh, suffers from that um, not being not being in the you know being more the middle to the lower end of the totem pole of MMA skill. They've got obviously a great tradition of martial arts. Right. Uh, Sancho boxing is, is, is still uh, still pretty active there, as I understand. Um, yeah, and it dates back. Their lineage dates back for for centuries, but that doesn't necessarily equate or translate yet to MMA. They've there's been um, I'm trying to think who's the, who do we uh, was it Zhang not Huping. Um, uh, they're having trouble in a lot of the the bigger weight divisions as well. Yeah, obviously. yeah. A lot of the, a was, lot of these countries. There's a fighter that we just a uh, Chinese fighter that just fought and lost. I believe uh, Ling, one, one or two shows Ying ago. Ping or. No. Yeah, these things are yeah, yeah. Zhang, Zhang I think I'm right. No, 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 I, right? I think it was Zhang Li Ping. Yeah. Zhang Li Ping. So, but yeah, and he was taught me like he won Tough China, but as of the last, uh, as of uh, that show that he that he lost on, it was like seven and eight or nine and seven, nine and eight. Right. Um, you can be a big fish in a little pond. Is the thing that's what we see when MMA goes global and when you start to pick from different countries. It takes some time to develop those fighters and be the UFC going in there or any international uh, promotion going in there and doing a show. You obviously have to use locals because those are the guys that are going to put butts in seats. Right. Unfortunately, those locals aren't necessarily going to be at the same standard of the fighters that the UFC is bringing in there. Exactly. I mean, it's such a good point. Uh, Alan, for example, came from RFA. Correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have mm-hmm. a specific local league that happens to be really high professionalism-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they feed directly into the OC. So we have our you know RFA experience level guys yeah. coming from California with that level of intensity. And we know that it matches up well to the UFC. Yeah. When we go to these foreign territories, we don't know how well their local organizations right. are going to match up. So not to say that you know their best isn't great. But they don't have the level of competition in the local scale mm-hmm. like we do, and well, I think that says a lot. Yeah, and, and and like you said, I agree with all that. And 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 there is, I'm not saying that you know international fighters aren't coming out strong. There's a lot of amazing yeah. international talent. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying We're that. We're going to talk about Amir Khani in a minute, <laughs> right? But RFA, as you as you alluded to a while ago, is the college football for yeah. for MMA. Absolutely. I mean, we're able to the come up league. and experience everything. It's, yeah. And and then with um, some of these other. Um, international countries, they don't really have an organized amateur or pro division, whereas yep. it's just blended. Some of these don't right. have an organized yeah. amateur league. So guys just come up from the gym, and they all of a sudden they're fighting pro, and they don't mm-hmm. go through the, not only the college football, they're not even going up through the, you know, the yeah. little leagues, you know, they're the amateurs and whatever. So they, yeah. maybe they're mounting a, a 7-0 and record, and then getting called into the UFC, and when the bright lights are on, and you're going against tough competition, is, is starting to show. But, you know, um, it was a tough fight for um, Christo Dulu. It was oh. definitely a tough uh, debut against the guy that he fought yeah. for, Tiger Muay Thai. But you it know, showed that it was he was a little weak in, um, in some skills. Yeah. I think we should talk about the match specifically mm-hmm. as well, because, uh, frankly, it was uh, short um, with the finish in round two. Um, in, in round one, um, Tysimov, I have a note here, that he dropped Christo with a low kick. 
you know, um, yeah. which really impressed me. And uh, like you said, uh, Crystal Dulu looked a little bit uh, puffy and fluffy. And I was thinking, should he drop down to 45? He looked like he had the extra weight that he could mm-hmm. drop down to 45. But then I also wondered... Is he necessarily going to fare that much better at 45? Because that is obviously a powerhouse division. The speed and the all. The speed, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The finish uh, was was Christodoulou shooting in and Tysonov just sprawling on it and throwing uh, throwing a shot to the head, um, dropping him, and then ground and pound. Yeah, I saw ground and pound. I was a little bit surprised that it was uh, ruled as a, as a KO, but uh, because right. several shots were on the ground. But yeah, it, it was definitely. Uh, Tysomov's match. He, he was able to ragdoll him. I mean, the guy yeah. shot in. It wasn't a fully committed shot, but he shot in. He got thrown to the side and just got ragdolled at the end. Yeah. And um, like I said, nothing taking nothing away from um, Mirovic, if, if that's mm-hmm. his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a beast. He's a beast. <laughs> yeah. But um, Chris Dulu was in over his head on that fight. Yeah, sure. well, kudos to Mirovic um, because a lot of those unorthodox fighters sometimes can challenge us. It's like uh, like they say in jiu-jitsu, the white belts on the mat are the most dangerous people on the mat because you mm-hmm. never know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. It, kind of the same when you have a, you know, not as experienced fighter in the cage. They could throw some wild punch and you know how MMA works, you know, the right. next second you could be knocked out. So, kudos to him for keeping composure and really putting on a good performance as short yeah, as it was. I agree. Uh, next up on the card, we have some big guys at 205. We have Nikita Al Capone Krylov versus Stanislav Stucky mm-hmm. Nedgov. Yeah. Uh, Krylov won via submission round one, a minute and 24 into it. Yeah, Ned, this is, I believe, was uh, Nedkov's return after uh, quite a long hiatus. Yeah, um, he came out. Uh, I, I think he came out aggressive. Um, was with his striking. Uh, the Krylov uh, did. Uh, he dropped him with a knee. Um, worked for that uh, for a gator roll. I thought, uh, which I. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which I uh, incorrectly was it was thinking in my head was a Darce. I couldn't quite see the arms, you know. But I was like, "Oh, is that a Darce?" It was then, similar. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, really close. And and ended up finishing him uh, with a standing guillotine. Finished Stucky with uh, with the guillotine there. Um, and that was kind of the first of a lot, first of a series of first round finishes, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this will play on Fox several times uh, this week, and then uh, later on, uh, I believe, give it you know two months or so available on Fight Pass for what. Nine ninety nine, UFCFlightPass dot com. But um, it was yeah. This was this was a show between the prelims and the main card. Definitely a show worth going out of your way to watch. Uh, a lot of fast action and interesting. Uh, Interesting matches in in the action itself, mm-hmm. the controversial the decisions notwithstanding, and quite frankly, guys, that's worth watching as well. Study those finishes. We'll, we'll talk about. We'll identify them in, in a second, but uh, they're worth studying and kind of using the remote and going frame, 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 and decide for yourself mm-hmm. uh, whether you thought those were reasonable finishes uh, or not. Um, it's good homework. This, this card is a good homework. For it's a, fun to for look everybody. at because, uh, you know, we have guys like Big John on here and we still mm-hmm. debate the rules and the negotiations of the rules that mm-hmm. are still being established in, in MMA and the UFC specifically. Yeah. So, you know, it's still not a black or white thing. So it's interesting to see different perspectives, mm-hmm. whether it's from the refs or the judges or, you know, the front seaters or, yeah. you know, you guys watching at TV on a home, you know? Yeah. It's, I think, worth mentioning now, too, anybody that's interested in continuing this conversation with uh, about the rules and the finishes. Number one, uh, tweet us. Hit us up. The hashtag is... Uh, ABTVUFC. That, uh, as well as two weeks from now... No, three weeks from now, um, scheduled, we have for the... Uh, was it um, February 15th? 
Uh, the show, Herb Dean. yeah, Herb Dean will be in house. We can referee Herb Dean. We can talk about uh, various finishes and you know things that he's seen in, in his experience. So we'll continue to get that uh, that kind of input from regulatory uh, officials. Definitely, yeah. Send those questions in because Herb Dean's a very knowledgeable guy, and if you want to know it, ask it then. Yeah. So let's keep going here. Oh, yeah. this, this next one was one of the two controversial finishes, right? Ugh. Okay, so we have Andy the Little Axe Ogle versus Makwan Mr. Finland Americani. If you didn't know who he was before tonight, you definitely do. Not mm-hmm. only by his performance, but by his post-fight speech. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. So, uh, Makwan Americani came out in the first second of the fight, ran to the center of the octagon with a flying knee, yep. hit uh, Andy Ogle, it looked like in the stomach, mm-hmm. dropped him, Finished it up with a couple shots, and that was it. The ref jumped in. Eight seconds. Eight yeah, seconds I, I think into this, the fight. I dare say this will probably go down as the fastest uh, UFC match in 2015. In 2015, that's far. It's going to be hard to break it. It's going to be hard to beat it. What do you think, Alan? That was that was crazy, that fight. I remember watching uh, Ogle go to the ring, and, uh, and, and they say that he's uh, with uh, Team Alpha Male now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I saw Uriah Faber and um, the other co- one of the other well-known coaches at... Um, Alpha male in the corner. And I'm thinking, okay, he's got a good team. He's been mm-hmm. training at Alpha male. He's going to come prepared. And you know they've been in Finland doing press all week. And eight seconds later, the fight is over. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Um, but yeah, the guy Americani, man, the guy's got personality. The kid's got spunk. Um, mm-hmm. I think even they were saying, who is it? Somebody was really impressed. It might not have been Dana White. It might have been whoever held the post-fight press conference or someone. But people were saying pretty much, you know, you could tell not only by this kid's performance, but the guy's got personality. Yeah, he looks like he could be a star, you know. And yeah. um, man. The only thing I was thinking about was, um, did they wave off the glove touch right before the bell? Because, you know, that's kind of, you was know. Was there a glove touch? There was no glove touch. There, it was, yeah, it was Dean and it. then double uh, flying knee. So that's just the only thing, you know, that kind of had me wanting the. Oh, maybe mm. he thought he was running to touch his hand. Is that oh, what you're yeah. saying? Well, you know, it's just an unspoken, you know, it's not unspoken, but, you know, normally there's a glove touch at the beginning of most MMA fights. Right. Um, and then a lot of times if we don't want to touch gloves, we'll just make eye contact and we'll ask or the guy will say, you know, no or. You yeah. know, this kind of like you usually let the we guy see know. the body language a lot. Yeah, right. and, you know, if there's bad blood, it's under, you know yeah. most of the time it's understood there's not going to be a touch. Or if it's some con, some kind of weird energy, they'll let each other know not touching gloves. But yeah. anyway, these guys didn't have any history together. Yeah. Right. As soon as the bell rang, though, he went for that flying knee. I don't know if Ogle was going for a jab or overhand or or a glove touch or what, but. Needless to say, he got caught, and um, the guy <sighs> capitalized on Let it. Let me ask, is that... I know that's kind of the un, unspoken culture, that you make eye, con- and, eye contact and you decide, are, are we touching gloves, are we not? Yeah. Has there ever been a, a scenario, or is it the least bit common, where two guys don't make eye contact when they're that far apart, and it, that thing is never established, whether you're touching or you're not? Well, I, I mean, it, it, could, it could go down that way, but I think it's just Has more- it ever for you? For me, no. I, I'm kind of a guy that I I, I enjoy unless I have uh, some kind of beef or history with a guy yeah. that I usually will touch gloves at least in the first round. I don't necessarily like to do it. I don't like when fights get too lovey-dovey. I can't stand <laughs> it. Unless right. you're like, you know, two well-known legends, gladiators, and this is a, you know, a retirement fight. And, and you, you just wanna, beat yeah. it out and, of and each other. And you're hugging in a fifth right. round and you're like, all right, yeah. let's hug and let's do it. 
okay, then have your Rocky moment. But when guys are on the, on the card and they're hugging every three rounds, I agree. I'm just like, I, I need some animosity here. Come on. Yeah. Like, it's almost like they're they're sharing their pain too well. It's yeah. like, come on, there's got to be a little bit of nerve yeah. there. Well, you know, it's a gladiator sport. Let yeah. me see a little bit of animosity or something. So I don't like that too much. But yeah, um, most guys at least know, you know, let's touch gloves and be, at least in the first round of the fight or let's just wave it off. A lot of times guys will at least go out of the way to say, I don't want to touch gloves. Yeah. Rather than doing the, 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 the you know, the um, automatically touching. So it was just a little weird. I mean, nothing. Uh, Amir Khani, is that his name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't do anything wrong on his part. He yeah. did he, he did the flying knee, and then he didn't stop until the ref pulled him off. Yeah. And um, he did a great did job. Did you think it was an early stoppage? Let me look at my notes. What did I have here? <laughs> it says good stoppage here. Okay. Uh, oh, this is the one that Joe Rogan had a bit of a problem with. Yes. Joe Rogan, you know, he was uh, in on the excitement and the emotion. I kind of, I didn't necessarily disagree with Joe Rogan. But I thought it was a good stoppage. I, I when, when you watch it, uh, is this the one where um, Ogle was trying to take down the ref after? Correct? Yeah, correct. He grabbed with a double leg. So yeah. with that being said, yes, you got to give guys a fighting chance. But I believe when you when you watch the replay, the guy's hands dropped to the ground. He was kind of yeah. he was not unconscious. That is established. I think that's what Joe Rogan was trying to allude to that he wasn't knocked out. But he wasn't knocked out. But he was out on his feet where he was. Unconscious, he was not properly defending himself. Right. And obviously, yeah. when you grab a guy to take a guy down who's the referee and he was wearing pants and you're continually trying to fight the referee, <laughs> then, you're, then you're not seconds. in the right state of mind. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So it was, I agree, I think it was a good stoppage. The last I time I saw something like that was uh, when Ronda Rousey beat Alexis Davis and she continued to grab the ref like mm-hmm. five Mississippi seconds after the fight was over. Mm. So. Judging from that and looking at this, it's very similar in the fact that they weren't in a proper state of mind to establish, you know, a black panted man versus, you know, right. a bare legged mm-hmm. fighter. So I think at that point you're like, okay, it was a good stoppage. And, and and I'm a guy that's like always, you know, being a fighter, I always want the the fighter to have a chance because we right. get rocked in the gym and it happens, you know, and you're able to come back. Mm-hmm. But it also has to look at position wise. Um, Americani was standing up, sprawled out over him. Ready to rain down more punches where yeah. Ogle was on his butt, disoriented, grabbing, reaching for anything. So even though he wasn't knocked out and he was somewhat trying to fight, if the fight would have gone any longer, he would have taken much, you know, much unwarranted damage. He wouldn't have right. needed to take it, you know. So it was a good stoppage when you think about, okay, let's let the fight go 15 more seconds. He would have got kneed in the face, you know, he would have mm-hmm. got beat up really badly. So see, that's how I look at it. I go, okay, if the fight would have continued, would it have kept going the same way? And if there's a question, if there's like, oh, maybe he could have done this, then maybe it's questionable. But in my mind, he was in such a dominant position, he wouldn't have been able to get up. I agree completely. There's that, and generally I agree. I thought the stoppage was reasonable as well. you might not have uh, it might not have been bad for it to go a couple more seconds and see if Andy could get his wits together but um in watching the replay I did notice when Andy's hands were down on top of that his eyes were down he was not looking at uh Amir Khani he was out for that moment mm-hmm. I don't think it's unreasonable for that match to have been stopped uh to the point though about the glove touch I um in the post-fight press conference, Samir Khani, who was definitely taking a page out of uh, Conor McGregor's mm-hmm. book, I think he's... <laughs> props to you! Um, and well-dressed, might name. I say. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well-dressed yes. the post yes. uh, Makwan, Mr. Finland, go for it. Um, he's very confident. He knows... I think he said claimed himself to be the most handsome man in Finland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so but uh, in the post-fight press conference, he said uh, specifically that... Um, Oh, crap. I lost my train of thought. What was it? Uh, glove touch. Oh, the glove uh, touch, yeah. In, in researching Andy, 
he noticed uh, that apparently he has a trend to run right in. Andy right. has a trend to run right into the front, uh, kind of in the middle of uh, middle of the octagon at the beginning, and almost blitzing his guy. And he said he that, planned on meeting him there. Yeah, meeting right. him there with a flying and knee to the face. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you know there was a little bit of strategy involved there, but it was that was one of the two, uh, the two matches that was questionable in terms of at least people's interpretation of the finish. It was a hell of a UFC debut. Mm-hmm. I think win or lose, this guy is definitely going to be one of those guys um, on the rise. I mean, he obviously made a name for himself with that little post-fight uh, interview, and then at the post-fight press conference, he continued with that. Mm-hmm. So I like him, and it earned him a bonus at the end. Of and the night, it earned so. him a That's bonus, right. like he said in the, in the little interview. Um, Except we still don't know how he is as a fighter. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't glean too much from eight seconds. In but the UFC. We can go back and look at his other stuff. There's that, yes. True. Um, next, we have Kenny Robertson versus Sultan Avilov. Uh, Kenny mm-hmm. Robertson won via TKO in round one, two minutes and 42 in. Yeah, yeah. Kenny did uh, did really well there. Mm-hmm. Um, he also came out blitzing against uh, his opponent, uh, Sultan. Uh, took the back, standing, and uh, just kept the pressure on. Um, at, at a certain point, midway through the card... Uh, card the match. Uh, uh, Aliyev threw a spinning back kick, which right. just completely whiffed. Um, it looked good, you know, technique technique wise at least, but uh, did not hit its mark. And Kenny saw the opening, landed a left, uh, and then a, a right as Aliyev was falling. And that know. is my biggest fear when guys do spinning moves. I mean, yeah. when I see it at the high level, I'm like, yeah, do it. But when I see it at, at a lower level, I'm like. Please protect your face when you come back around the other side because it's <laughs> always they're always there waiting for that yeah. you know right hand or whatever it is to, to catch him and he timed it perfectly so mm-hmm. kudos to him. What is the key to that when you uh, well on I, a spinning back kick how to protect yourself? Yes, you. Alan. I, I have an answer, but I will say right now that I am not the master of these. So <laughs> I teach my students how to do them, but I'm not that great at them in the fights. But the key to that I would say is it's called a spinning back kick, but you don't necessarily spin out of control because when you spin, you're out of control. You're letting mm-hmm. gravity or momentum take control, but what you really want to do is just turn completely backwards. You want to turn from 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock and throw the kick and then be able to control yourself. And mm. when he threw it, he missed. So obviously when you miss, like kicking a soccer ball, the, the ball disappears. You usually uh, you know, fall on your butt. Uh, so I don't know if there's a mixture of missing the target or because he overspun, mm-hmm. but he continued to spin. Instead of going 12 to 6 and stopping on the opponent, he continued to spin out of control, making a full yeah. 360 and walked right into a uh, to a uh, left hand, which is well yeah. timed from the southpaw stance. When, the or- when Robertson is a orthodox fighter, so mm-hmm. kudos to Robertson for landing that punch. But that's what it was. He just overspun and got caught. Yeah, right. Would you when you're spinning back, you throw the kick, and then you've got to pivot back to your guy. The 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 cl- the idea, one of the fundamental things, is to have your hands up, right, to block in case you've got that Kenny Robertson coming at you. Yeah, ideally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as long as I know what, what's the right thing to Jay do. Jay just wants yeah. to get the gist so yeah. he can use so it So I can go later. home and practice in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. um, next we have Nico Musoki versus Albert Einstein Tuminov. Well mm-hmm. done, Albert Einstein. I like that. Uh, Tuminov won via unanimous decision. 29-28 all around. This was a, a, a fun one. This was uh, We didn't have a, a, a Fight of the Night award for, uh, for this show. But this would have been one of my nominees. This was the welterweight fight, correct? Yeah. Correct, one seventy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I thought this was going to get fight of the night, and uh, Dana White decided to give four performance bonuses rather than one fight of the night to two 
two fighters and then two performance bonuses. So he didn't give these guys fight of the night, but if there was a, a strong second place or a fight of the night bonus, they would have mm-hmm. got it. They went to right. war. This was uh, mostly a, a kickboxing match, I thought, at least yeah. in the first round or two. Um, both of them were trading a lot of good uh, body kicks. Um, Musoki, I gave Musoki the first, uh, Tumanov the third. And the second, I believe, must <laughs> I don't have a note, so it must have been pretty darn close, quite frankly. A draw. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, all the scores across the board were 29-28. Um, yeah, fair... Uh, I agreed with it. It was a good stand-up I agree with war. It too, gave, yeah. Probably the most, like you said, a fight of the night. But they gave this fans what they wanted, like an exciting fight, two guys standing toe-to-toe, blood, striking, yeah. you know, a good overall MMA fight. You know sure. it's a good card when these two guys who who really bucked it out didn't get any of the performance bonuses, because right. there were so many good ones on the card. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree, it was definitely a good performance. Had there been a fight of the night, that should have been it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next we have Akira Khorasani versus Sam Cecilia. I think Akira Khorasani is, is the native in uh, Sweden, if I am correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam Cecilia won via KO in round one. Oh God! Sam to say he looked good. <laughs> yes, he did. He looked really good. What did you think? That was uh, that was a badass knockout, man. That was uh, what did he, he think? He threw a right uppercut, reloaded right overhand. Yes, caught him right on the temple and just laid him out. That's going to be one of those uh, UFC knock. You know, 2015 best Highlights, knockouts for yeah. sure. That's yeah. absolutely a, a beautiful. Beautiful knockout, beautiful highlight, man. I mean, I feel bad for Akira. They got knocked out in his home country, but man, that was a beautiful performance by Sam Cecilia. Sam Cecilia is so aggressive, and he has that that kind of like just unstoppable power. He, he believes in defenses. his power. He Absolutely, yeah. he sells it. That one, if if it had gotten out of the first round, I think that would have also been a, uh, a fight of the night contender. Those guys, both of them, look sharp, dancing around a lot in the good way. You know, looking right, for angles right. and and swinging like crazy. Yeah. The next one, not going to lie, it surprised me a little bit. We had, <laughs> At 205, we had Phil, Mr. Wonderful Davis, mm. in his uh, pink shorts, as always, and Ryan Darth Bader. Uh, we have a four-time All-American wrestler versus a two-time All-American wrestler. Sometimes that means we see no wrestling. You know, Correct. they both fear the ground game. We want to see some stand-up. Um, Phil Davis looked like he was trying to wrestle mm-hmm. Bader more than Bader was trying to wrestle him. In the end, Bader won via split decision. What would you think? Yeah, 29-28 across the board. Snooze no, it's split man. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, right. yeah 28, yeah. 28, right. in one direction or another. Correct. Um, I, I did give it to, to Bader. Mm-hmm. I was, um, I'm, I'm a, possibly a little bit more of a uh, of a Phil Davis fan, I think, just because of his personality, if nothing else. Yeah. And when he hit the scene in the UFC, I remember it was around the same time as John Jones, and I remember thinking these guys are so almost clone-like to each other, you know. John obviously has become the fighter that he's become, you know, um, and we haven't seen that yet from Phil. But I still believe that um, that we can, you know. It, it, Phil is is in one of those zones where it depends on which uh, which Phil Davis is going to show up. You know, this is not the Phil Davis that we saw against Glover Teixeira a couple months ago, and the Phil Davis we saw against Glover Teixeira was not the Phil Davis we had seen prior. I mean, I think mm-hmm. this guy is definitely advancing in the forward motion, mm-hmm. and I don't think that he lost any of that during this fight. But what I did see was. He was landing some good kicks, and mm-hmm. his kicks looked good. But when it came to setting up his boxing and mixing his kicks with his punches, mm-hmm. I wasn't too thrilled. Whereas Bader was coming more with a straight boxing style, yeah. straight punches down the pipe, and really landing. Yeah. It almost seemed like Davis was having a hard time finding his, his punching range. Mm-hmm. He could find the kicking range once again, but when he went in to get the punches, he was it was a whiff and a miss, swing and a miss. Yeah. So I think he needs to work on, if anything, his boxing. I think once he perfects his boxing and his kickboxing as one... Unstoppable. 
Yeah, I. it's hard for me to criticize the guy's boxing other than that it did not appear or it just wasn't clicking that night. Right. But, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of that is Ryan Bader just being really good on his feet. It, it was because of his competition, I believe. But, I mean, honestly, for me, this one was this one was boring. I mean, this was a yeah. boring fight. Really? I like both guys, and they're both top top fighters. You know, mm-hmm. they're both, I think, ranked in, uh, I think, uh, six and eight or something. They're both in the top ten. I Five believe. and seven. But there yeah. you go. But this one was just a boring fight, man. It was it was boring. The fans were booing. And what it was was you know Bader and Phil Davis have success on the feet sometimes, but it all comes because of the wrestling because they mm. take down opponents and they make opponents fear their wrestling and it sets up their striking. Now you have two All American wrestlers who really you know you, you rule out the wrestling and now they have to show their striking and the setup is in there. They're not biting on the feints and this and that and mm. that's why right. the striking looked like it went down a notch in this fight and made it uh, not that exciting. And as far as the decision, it really could have gone either way. That could have been Phil Davis's fight, I believe. I don't remember scoring it specifically every moment of the fight, but I remember at the end of the fight thinking the last round is up for grabs and Phil yeah. Davis had some kind of punch in the eye or eye poke in his eye so it just swell a little bit. Third I, round, yeah. I think the facial damage of Phil Davis is what gave Bader the fight. I think the judges looked at it mm-hmm. and they said, this fight's not that exciting. Don't really know who's nobody's really landing any devastating punches. Nobody's right. really getting rocked or slammed on the head. Yeah. But Phil Davis is bleeding and his eyes swollen. Let's give it. I mean, that's the way I saw it. it yeah. Way. When it's that close, you you look at those minor details and um, damage, you definitely yeah. look at the damage done. Bader got a takedown in the uh, uh, in the third, and of course that eye that definitely secured right. the third round for him. I gave Davis right. the the second, but just barely. Very different styles, though. Da- Davis seemed to be more active. He really seemed to try to switch levels as much as he could. You saw mm-hmm. him throwing the low hook and then the high hook, the low hook, and then the high hook as if he wanted mm-hmm. to wrestle, setting up the shots. The more athletic guy, the more flexible guy. He's Definitely. Great flexibility. But yeah. Ryan Bader's kicks were looking sharp. He really w- seemed tight and composed. So mm-hmm. kudos to both again. Yeah. Uh, next we have at 185, Dan Hendo versus Gegard Musasi. Uh, this is another debatable one. I mm-hmm. personally agree with it. Musasi won via TKO round one. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this is debatable. Dan Hendo was out. Uh, he once again revived a little bit at the end. Mm-hmm. But funny it's a little sequence too late. here uh, earlier in the fight, uh, and, and I, you know, just one minute of, of action early in the fight. Uh, Musasi kind of backed off from from Hendo. Noted uh, his, his left eye, you know, Hendo's left eye. But referee Leon Roberts said, "Keep fighting." Right. Um, and, and Henderson didn't. Uh, didn't really sell it either, and you know, it was it was a strange moment. And then shortly thereafter, uh, Musasi catches Henderson with a um, was it a, a right? It was a right, I believe. A right, almost to the back of the left, head. It kind of clipped him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in in action, uh, Henderson mm-hmm. drops to uh, to the canvas, head against head and back against the cage, um, and Musasi swarms on him. Leon Roberts jumps into position uh, to really really to kind of see closer, and was on the opposite side of. When Henderson was grabbing for Musasi's leg for a single, I have a little, I have less issue with the Andy Ogle stoppage versus this one. This one, I think you probably could have let go a few seconds longer as well. Right. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is, and um, and the re- uh, referee Leon Roberts stopped it in one ten. And uh, real quick before we get to the next one, because we yeah. got to hurry up here. What do you think, Alan? <laughs> uh, real quickly, I thought it was actually an early stoppage on this one. Did you? Uh, Hendo wasn't out. He wasn't like he wasn't hurt. I mean, he was. He, he was. He got his equilibrium knocked off, and yeah. he kept trying to fight. I think this one got stopped a little bit early. 
yeah. my opinion. All right. And then Alexander the Mauler, Gustafson versus Anthony Rumble Johnson. A really highly anticipated fight because the mm-hmm. winner is, you know, said to fight John Jones next. Yep. Uh, we either would have had the rematch with Gustafson Jones or a new uh, competitor, Johnson. Mm-hmm. Johnson ended up winning via TKO in round one, two minutes and 15 seconds in. I know not many people predicted this. Yeah. But... It was well played. Um, Anthony Johnson rocked him with an amazing right and followed it up on the ground with some ground and pound. Uh, this was definitely not an early stoppage. If anything, a late stoppage. <laughs> what did you think? Uh, well, it, it could be considered a late stoppage, but you have to... I think everything... This is a whole other subject, and I'd love to get into it one day. We don't have time. But as far as the stoppage, this is the main event. This is a huge international card. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like you said, 30,000 people, new arena. It's on all these new stations and networks, and it's first time in 50 million homes in Russia. Mm-hmm. Look, these guys are selling a buttload of tickets. A buttload of money is on the line, and, and uh, a title uh, uh, eliminator mm-hmm. is uh, on the line. So, yeah, you let the guys fight it out until it is obvious, completely obvious, and that's yeah. what the ref did, and I appreciate him letting it go. It was tough to watch Gustafson take damage, but I guarantee you Gustafson would not be is not mad that he let it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. couldn't he agree with you more. Yeah. Can't yeah. argue early stoppage on this one. For not, sure. It depends Definitely on where not. how big the fight is, and this was a big fight. So you I completely it go. agree. When you have this much on the line and there's an early stoppage, it really yeah. is a career effector. You yeah. got to let it go. I agree with that. But that said, all of that criteria technically, in, in my opinion, should be separate to the safety of the fighters. The safety of the fighters mm-hmm. trumps all of what's on the line. And, um, you know, that's uh, it, it wasn't an early stoppage. I don't think necessarily it was a late stoppage because you do want to give uh, give Gustafson that shot. But uh, we have a new con- new number one contender now in Anthony Rumble Johnson. I think we're going to see uh, Johnson versus Jones, and I'm really excited for that one. All right, guys, we have to wrap it up here, but I want to do a prediction really quick. What do we think about uh, Silva versus Diaz? I know you've trained with Anderson Silva a little bit at Black House MMA. What do you think? The spider. Yeah, Anderson. <laughs> Anderson Silva. <laughs> Gotta go with Anderson. Outclass. Outclass. Well, you know, it really depends on... I haven't been training with him that much as of lately. Uh-huh. Or, or seen him that much as of lately. But it depends what An- which Anderson Silva shows up. But if yeah. anything remotely close to the old one, he's too big uh, size-wise for, uh, Anderson, uh, for Nick Diaz yeah. to compete with him. Uh, and Reebok sponsorship. Like, dislike. We will see in the future because they haven't Don't given us any yet. details okay. yet. All yeah. right, we'll that, see. that means round three for you coming back on the show, man. <laughs> Look, looks good for the future of MMA. As of right yeah. now, I don't know. My, my manager does a good job in sponsorship, so can Reebok compete with what my manager right. does? We'll see. That's the question. Let's get you on back after uh, after your match with Filthy Rich here. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. We're going to give him some rub of good luck, right, J-10? Yep. Some after good buzz. Up, my man. Uh, Alan Javon, <laughs> congratulations on your career thus far in the UFC. You have really been one of those guys that's marketed yourself properly and gotten yourself to a co-main event, your second fight in the UFC. Congratulations on an awesome fight. We look forward to seeing you fight. And we might be there. Please come. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we'll be, fi- we'll be looking for you in the locker room after. Like, Alan, you know it. I don't know, I don't know that small studio. Uh, anyway, J-Tan, where can we find you on social media? As always, J-Tan716. Mom, uh, the water should be boiling by now, so you better check on it. <laughs> Al dente, Mom. <laughs> Alan, where can we find you? Uh, at Alan Joban. Uh, everything's pretty much at Alan Joban. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all social media. Check me out. Simple and sweet. Friendster. Cool. Uh, guys, you can find me at Daria the Jersey Devil Baronado on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I will be fighting February 7th in Victorville, California for CFL. Then I'll be fighting March 8th for That's the U of right. MMA with the Mr. J. Sam. Awesome. It's all scheduled. We've got it official here. I have tickets. Systems Training Center has tickets. Coast Fitness has tickets. Get them. See you guys later.
from executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Do we buzz you oh. later? I think we still do. What's that? The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.